Rainbows for All Children is an international 501c3 nonprofit that was founded in Chicago, Illinois in 1983. Since its conception, Rainbows has served nearly 4 million youth worldwide, navigating loss and uncertainty through our empowering volunteer-led peer support group model. This year marks our 40th anniversary, and to celebrate, we're bringing you a podcast. This is Acing Grief. Hi, Stephanie. I'm Dana Blumberg. As you know, I've been a Rainbows facilitator um, since 2009, I want to say. And it's um, good to be here with you today. Thanks for making time to do that, Dana. As you know, one of the things that um, we work to do is is advocate for kids who are struggling with loss and uncertainty. And so having conversations like this definitely helps. So I appreciate your time. So how did you come to be a Rainbows facilitator? So um, my background is as, as a school counselor. So I had a parent come to me. They had unfortunately just lost their son who was in his early 20s and he and um there's a sister who's much younger and she went to the school where I worked and um she said I got a grant and so I'm gonna get you trained and I really want you to do a rainbows group and I said okay I'll do it and um without really knowing I'd heard of it but so I got trained and I started running the the group and that was my first year and then I kept doing it and we got a couple of other people trained at the school where I worked and we ran rainbows groups every single year. So that's kind of how I got into it. And I loved just the sense of community and warmth and connection that it gave the students in the program. What age groups did you typically work with Dana? For the most part, you know, kindergarten through eighth grade, um, I would say more, more of my groups focused on some middle school students because usually they just had some more needs, but all really K through eight over the years. And what would you, how would you define a successful Rainbows group? Oh gosh, I feel like they were all successful. A successful group would be just that the students, they come to the group, they understand, especially after the first few weeks, why they're there and that they form a new connection with somebody in the group. And another, they also form a connection with me as a facilitator. So another adult in the building and um, really running the group and having everyone want to be there, which is almost always like 99.9% of the time. That's what how our groups went and everyone wanted to be there together. It's, it's funny. I've heard facilitators say before that, you know, their participants kind of came very reluctantly or sometimes kicking and screaming. Yes. And then by, you know, the second group, they're like, I can't wait to, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be there. I want to be with yes. these people. I want to talk about these things. Um, so it's always interesting to watch those uh, participants, particularly, and their evolution into a successful group. Yes, um, a lot of them don't want to do, be there when they start, and they also may not even understand really why. But um, we can always, it always ends up being something that they like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so as you very likely know, November is Children's Grief Awareness Month, and mm -hmm. the third Thursday of the month, the Thursday before Thanksgiving is always allocated as Children's Grief Awareness Day. And I've often thought that part of the reason for the timing of, of November being that time frame is because we're rolling into the holidays where, mm -hmm. you know, almost every religion has some sort of holiday observance in the November, December time frame. And I think for kids who participate in our rainbows groups, 
those holiday timings and events and all of that can be a double-edged sword for them in a lot of ways. Did you ever have experiences with that in your group? Yes. So that's actually, I even time the groups when, if it, when I was working in a school every day, um, we would usually start before Thanksgiving on purpose because it is a hard time during the holidays because not only may their family not be the same, um, so they're missing that, but they're also reminded that like most everyone else is with all their family together, like a typical family and theirs might not look like that. So it's like not only missing what was the, what they had, even if it wasn't a death um, divorce, but then also just seeing, it's just like a big reminder in so many different ways, you know, and maybe their family has changed and they have to have like a step parent and they don't want that. Um, and they have to be around them during the holidays. And that's not what holidays used to look like, you know? So I think it's just really multifaceted on their grief, uh, the, what the holidays kind of magnify it in so many ways. For sure. Yeah. I would absolutely yeah. agree with that. Um, was there, did you ever utilize a particular activity or project around that time frame to help normalize that for kids? You know, what I like to do was, I just said, I think it's, I would always say that I think it's so important that we um, are here every week, especially during this time, because it can bring up a lot of emotions they may not have realized. And I'd always try and do like a little bit of a, like a secret Santa around Christmas or secret snowman, just to know that they had somebody else that was thinking of them. So they knew that they were still special and connected. Yeah, that community and connection piece is always really loud for our Rainbows alums, for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. So you are a mom. Mm -hmm. um, so you are in that place of, of balancing being a mom, being a working mom, and then, you know, leading these groups also. Mm -hmm. um, how do you balance that? What do you do about self-care for yourself? Because some of our, our littles have some pretty big stories. I mean, I think it is, it's true. A lot of them do have these stories. And I think that um, it's important that you can, I connect with like other facilitators and talk about it or like talk about some of the struggles that our kids were going through. And also I would be, I'm pretty honest about like what I have struggled with as far as in grief or, um, and so I'm pretty honest and genuine with my groups because I think that's important. They see that I'm a human as well. Um, and just to take care of myself, I think it's, um, I would just always try and stay true to myself. So if like, it's been a hard day or something and we have to do a group and that's it. Um, I have to, I always remember that's not about me and then, but then I have to take care of myself and talk about it afterwards. So I just think it's important that um, I try and separate it a little bit because they are not related, you know? Yeah. That's a really good point. Then. Uh, right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So what would you tell one of your participants, caregivers, um, what would be your one tip to help get their littles through the holidays? Um, I always say like, so your child may not feel like they need to talk to anyone or that they need a sense of community, but, um, if they have that, when the time comes or know that it's possible, it will help them become so much more resilient. And um, 
I usually just try and talk about long-term that it's so good for them. And, um, and that I make it fun and that it, everything is brought to their level. And I, it's not like I'm selling them, but sometimes you have to show, you may not see the results or the long-term amazing positive effects of rainbows. Um, because it's, it's like a, it's a constant. Then they, there's, there is a lot of, there is our studies that show that having another adult that cares about you, um, besides your parents is very helpful for students. And, um, so just like keeping that in the back of my mind and knowing that we're giving them the tools that they'll need. Maybe they don't need them right now, but they're going to be reminded. Maybe they will need it in a couple of months or in a year. Um, and like, just try and keep it in mind. And usually it, it works <laughs> because by a couple of years later, I mean, I've always, I would have too many students um, for the amount of groups that I could run. So yeah, it, it, it worked. <laughs> Yeah. It's uh, so in January, our podcast is actually going to be focused specifically on loss around divorce. Mm. Um, but it's interesting that about 40% of our kids come to us because they've lost an immediate family member to death. And 40% of our kids come to us mm -hmm. as a result of having, you know, a divorce situation in their family. And we know statistically that divorce is much more prevalent. And I think because mm -hmm. it's so prevalent, we fall into that place of, well, other people got divorced and their mm -hmm. kids were fine. And so my kids will be fine. And I always kind of bring it back to, do you want your children to be fine or do you want them to be thriving? And right. what parent does not want their child to thrive? So um, that piece of having another invested adult that they can, you know, give their, their deepest emotions to, I think is really critical to their healing journey for sure. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And that you want them to be exactly thriving and knowing, and this will keep them a little bit more resilient that um, even though they might've had to go through a difficult divorce, they may be able to frame it in a different way and that will give them better coping skills long-term. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that, you know, whatever the child is in this rainbows group for today is not going to be the only loss experience that they have. Exactly. Their life. So being able to give them coping strategies and normalize how they're feeling and letting them see that other people feel the same way they do, even if their loss is different is also really critical. That is a really good point. I actually talked to the students about that, that because you've gone through something like this, your heart is more open and you might be able, you might have a friend that may need you in a few years and you're going to be able to be there for them. Um, and that like to build some of that empathy, because I do think a lot of um, good comes out of helping others that, and even kids can help each other. But I do think that builds even more empathy for them and for themselves, you know, that um, they deserve that too. But yeah, yeah. I actually talk about that as well. That empathy and that empowerment mm -hmm. piece, empowering yes. to help others is, is also, I mean, yes. it does, it does make you feel good to do good for someone else. It does. So, um, giving them that opportunity is really a, a gift. I think it's so true. And I do think that often grief can lend itself to feeling you want some sense of purpose and kids are no different in a purpose as far as even just helping someone else, maybe that's going through it that, um, and I think kids do really well with that, being empowered to be able to be that, that person, you know? 
I agree. And I think it, you know, it, in some ways it helps them understand. I think it helps them to understand perhaps from a different perspective that perhaps their caregiver or their parent is experiencing grief and loss too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just, it just builds that empathy for the family situation. Yes, absolutely. Is there anything else you want to add, Dana? No, but I just like to remember that like grief is, it's something that kids, or people go through, it's a part of everyone is going to go through it at some point. And that just keep in the back of your mind. Some it's, it's a hard time. I even remember um, growing up, my mom, my mom, my mom's mom passed away when she was 21. And my mom um, always would have, she would talk about the holidays were sad and her mom had been gone, you know, 30, 40 years. And she would still say that it would make her think about her mom. I, I just think about that and think about, Oh, like we need to be really aware because it's very, it just reminds us that like, it's hard for anyone who's had something mm-hmm. happen or lose something, lose someone or lose your typical day-to-day family. And so mm-hmm. just to keep it in mind, you know. Well, we talk about how, you know, Christmas is over the years, you know, ask Charlie Brown, it's become so commercialized and there's all these commercials of all of these happy families and, and even in happy, happy, happy families, there are still, the holidays are not always easy. It's very so, true. Um, just kind of keeping that in mind as, as we wander through our day and give each other grace and space and kindness as we, as we navigate the next few months, I think is yeah. important. Absolutely. And um, those that are facilitating, um, you're doing an amazing thing for your, stu- your kids um, being that adult. So yeah, it's very invaluable to so many of them mm-hmm. because for a lot of children, they don't have a safe adult at home necessarily either. So, right. Um, or they can't be that person right now, you know, yeah, um, right. Yeah. Because they're on their mm-hmm. own grief journey. Yes. For sure. mm-hmm. Awesome. Dana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, thank you also for all the years and all of the children that you've supported and, and you have been that caring, invested adult in their world. So thank you. I think about them all the time, every day. Yeah. I am Shannon Heitkamp. I have been a Rainbows facilitator since, I guess, January of 2020. And um, I host a group that my age group is second to fourth grade, but sometimes reflects on that just depending on the needs of, you know, the the kids in the area. So Shannon, do you usually run like a group in the fall and then a group in the spring? So I usually run a group in January and it runs through, you know, early May. And then I run another group in the fall that, you know, runs into kind of early December. Summers are really tough. And I find that the kids are also you know, less available. So it's, this has been working pretty well so far. So you were telling me a few minutes ago uh, that you actually have a longstanding relationship with Rainbows and its founder. Yeah. So I had, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking about this. I had the amazing opportunity to meet Susie Marta about, oh, it was a while ago. It had to be maybe 2006, 2007. And um, it was at our mutual friend's Beth's home. And she was talking about rainbows. I'd never heard of it before. 
And it, her message really resonated with me because at the time I was an adult whose parents divorced when I was a teenager. And I just kept thinking, boy, I would have loved to have rainbows when we, you know, my sisters and I were going through that divorce, which was, you know, pretty dramatic. And then fast forward, I had gone to the Umbrellas brunch. It had to have been 2019 because you and I had talked and I, you know, it just felt like it was the right time to be able to work with a group. And so you and your staff helped me kind of navigate how to get set up, how to do the training, how to advertise and you know share that we have this um, support system and then started my first group in January, 2020. Awesome. So the kids in your group, the participants in your group, typically what are their loss stories? Now, you know, across our program, about 40% of our kids come to us for divorce, about 40% come due to death of a parent or sibling. And then, you know, the remainder gets split between divorce or deployment, deportation, incarceration, or life-altering illness. What do you typically see in your groups? For the most part, all of them have been divorced. Uh, this group now has um, two kids whose life has been impacted by death. And, you know, it, it works out pretty well um, because... I too have um, been impacted by death. My husband died several years ago. And at the time I was navigating my daughters who were teenagers through that and trying to get them to find their own way. And so now when I've got, you know, part of my group talks about divorce, I feel like I can relate to that because I'm back to that 16 year old whose parents are getting divorced. And then the other ones will talk about, you know, the death. And I certainly can relate to that too. So it feels like there's a lot of ways that I can empathize with different, you know, situations that they, you know, have come through. And I think empathy is a big part of what facilitators are providing. They're providing a safe space. They're providing empathy, a listening ear, um, so I think all of those things are, are critically important to Rainbow's groups. Um, do you notice a difference in your participants um, from the spring to the fall? Because I know in the fall, we're typically rolling toward the holidays. And for a lot of these kiddos, the holidays are challenging. You know, maybe they're spending it with their dad for the first time or dad and a stepmom or a mom and a stepdad. And, um, or maybe their person is not there. So do you see a difference in your in your participants in the course of, of from fall to spring? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I do. And I think that, you know, to your point, there's a lot of anxiousness kind of starts. And it's really about now. Um, we're meeting tomorrow and I'm, I'm sure that I'll feel it now. And we'll, we'll talk about what it looks like and what they're looking forward to and really thinking about, you know, being grateful for the you know, the old habits and the old traditions that were there, but also there's probably going to be some new ones and trying to stay open to that. Yeah, I think as a surviving caregiver or the main surviving caregiver, I think sometimes that's challenging because you miss those things too. I was talking to a dad today who their thing was always to go to downtown Chicago for the lights parade. And now his daughter is living 
six states away. And so, you know, I can imagine, you know, for caregivers too, that's hard. Um, what are a couple of things that you would encourage caregivers or parents um, to use, to share when they're, they're supporting their own little humans? Yeah, I, I think one of the hardest things to do is to just allow the space for them to talk. And part of it is that it takes a long time. And, you know, you with my kids, they I, I've just found out things recently that I didn't even know. Um, and so even, you know, eight years into it, you know, one of my daughters had mentioned that she didn't like to do our traditions because she didn't like to think about her dad because it made her really sad and she doesn't like to be sad. And now enough time has gone by so that we can start going back to some of those traditions, which is kind of interesting. I, I didn't know that. I didn't, sadly, I didn't pick up on that. But I think if I would have, you know, sort of try to read between the lines, which is hard because you're just trying to manage, especially if you're going through the loss yourself. Um, but I guess the, the one thing that worked for me was I had a lot of people wanting to support us and wanting to, you know, offer different ways that that support might look like. It might be, hey, come to our house the night before, or come to our house for Christmas Eve, the things that we would have done together as a family. So for me, I embraced all of that. I needed all the help I could get. And so, you know, that was part of our new traditions was to do different things. Um, but in terms of, you know, kind of where they are in the here and now is, you know, it's, it's for my, my group, the second to fourth, second to fifth graders, I would ask, you know, what's the one thing that they would like and see if you can incorporate that. A great suggestion. And I love that piece of, you know, at first, you know, they didn't want to observe those traditions because it made them think of their dad. And I think that's a really hard thing for the, the children who come through our groups because the holidays are about light and laughter and, you know, family time. And, you know, and I feel like every religion is having some sort of a holiday in this November, December timeframe and every commercial is about being happy. And then our kids want to be joyful and they want to be happy. And I think sometimes they get conflicted because they're like, Ooh, maybe I shouldn't be. Yeah, one of the things that we talk about is, you know, it's okay to have all of those different emotions, you know, and then we talk about that you can be mad and frustrated and also happy at the same time. And it's going to feel confusing. And, you know, it's, you know, just like those clouds that will, you know, go on by and the next day might be different or the next hour might be different. Um, it, it's not easy. The, the one thing is that I do feel like when you've got some, you've got a voice in some of the new traditions, it sort of helps with that. It might be making a new food or it might be, um, my, my daughter said that mornings were always really good for her. It was the evenings that were tough. And so now in the evenings, 
we'll play board games, which really light her up. And so it's, again, just maybe flipping things around a little bit where we used to do something different. That's awesome. Very sweet. I think being open to that, you know, I, I love asking kids what they would like to see. What would you like to incorporate? What's meaningful to you? What, you know, what do you not want to do anymore? And I think that's one of the things that helps to heal them too, is giving them choices and giving them a sense of control that they feel like they lost in the course of the changing family unit. So true. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to add that we didn't touch on? No, I, 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 I'm smiling because I always think of the rainbow groups as my kids. They're just the joy of my life. And my own daughters will say, how are your rainbow kids? You know, so it's, <laughs> it's a pretty, it's an amazing experience. I, I feel like I get much more out of it than they do, but they keep coming back, you know, session after session. So it seems to be working. Yeah, clearly. Um, and you know, I think we, so many of us as adults do have childhood loss experiences that we didn't address because, you know, before 40 years ago, there wasn't a rainbows group. And even 35 years ago, it was not as widely spread as it is now. And so I think, I, I think a lot of our rainbows facilitators bring some of their own personal losses, um, and that experience to their, their groups and their experience with their rainbows kids. And, um, and I think that you know, I think that's the most powerful thing in rainbows groups is that kids realize for the first time that they're not the only one. And um, to know that there's grownups who've had these experiences too is, is really incredible. Exactly. One of the messages that I try to really make sure that they understand is that this will stay with them, right? That whatever their experience is, is, is not going to go away, but it doesn't have to define them. And so making sure that they you know, are still their own person and kind of don't be afraid to excel in whatever they want to and that they don't have to, because a lot of times the parents' grief will kind of weigh them down. And, you know, again, sometimes it's just really about making sure that they have, you know, the permission to kind of say, I, I, I feel sad too, but I'm also going to go continue doing, having friends and going on play dates and doing the things that they need to do. Yeah. Giving them space to, to grieve and still be children, I think is really important. Shannon, thank you so much for all you do for, for rainbows and for the kids in your group. And thank you for being open to, to sharing your own experiences. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Thanks for all the support that you and your team give. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, we're, we couldn't, we're glad to be able to do it because it just means that more children are getting support. So thank you. Hi, my name is Amy Jung, and I participated in Rainbows years ago when my children and I were working through my husband's addiction and a pending and then future divorce. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us for this month's episode. You mentioned a bit about your grief experience as a parent. What is one thing about grief that you've learned to be true? So... I think just to start, I just want to say one thing I've learned about grief over the past 16, 17 years 
is that it's not an isolated incident. And I experienced grief and I re-experienced grief over and over again. And I think one of the things that I'm so grateful to rainbows for is, is not only helping me through that grief in the moment, but giving me the tools and the resources and the training to navigate on my own at various times and also to help me work with my kids on how to navigate. Um, I think one thing I learned is it was really important not just to get my kids through a particular moment or something, but to teach them how how to get through something. And, and I think that was my greatest benefit. Um, when everything started to change in my life, I was, you know, maybe married four or five years at the time. And I had a four-year-old daughter and my son was two years old. So I had a four-year-old daughter and my son was two years old and my husband's drinking had gotten out of control and we lost our house. Um, so many things happened and he wasn't, um, abusive in any way, you know, like physically, or he was just drinking all the time and isolating himself and completely disconnected from our family. So that led to an intervention and, um, my kids not being with their dad for over a month initially. And I remember, you know, when my husband came back, my son said to him, you, you, my daddy, like he didn't even recognize him and loss of that time when you're so little is, is really important. So we just continued on that journey and my kids got older and I have always been a very big fan of educating myself and trying to give myself the tools and resources I need to help myself and to go to counseling and you know, to make sure that I had a good support network and, and I've been good about reaching out, but it got to the point where as a mom with my kids who were, um, my daughter was in middle school and my son was a little bit younger and the weight of trying to carry myself through this experience and to help and carry my kids. It was a lot. You touched on something important. You said your son was so little, and a lot of people say that when they're that little, they don't recognize grief or go through any kind of a grieving process. But we do know that even infants, when someone is taken out of their world, they experience that loss. Absolutely. And I will never, ever forget that moment. And um, it's so true, Stephanie. It's, it's so true. So and then as they get older and start to verbalize and they're not verbalizing, you want to make sure they're okay and you want to understand. So we connected with rainbows and I found a really amazing group and we would, it was awesome. It was just exactly what we needed at the time. But my son and daughter and I would go and we'd go to these meetings and my son would go into a group with a counselor and or a leader and kids his age and my daughter would go with kids their age. And then I would spend time with parents who were struggling. And we all had different types of loss. You know, one woman in my group, her 
spouse was overseas and in the military, another person, her husband just died and I was dealing with addiction. And so they were all different things, but so many similarities. And the way that that particular rainbows group and session was set up is, you know, they would focus, we would all focus on a similar theme for the evening and we would be in our separate groups. And so then afterwards we would all get in the car and Nikki, my son was, he was always so excited to share what he thought. And I remember one time he was saying, mom, you know what they told me? They told me that it was okay for me to be mad. That doesn't mean that I don't love dad. It just, it's okay for me to be mad. And, you know, as a parent, maybe you assume they know these things or that they, but that's so important. And I realized in that moment how that was weighing on him. He loved his dad and he didn't understand the conflict inside where, how could he be so mad at someone that he loved? And he needed someone to say it was okay. And he needed to hear other kids say, you know, that they were experiencing similar things. And then my daughter, I remember one time, um, and she struggled too, because all of her friends, all of their parents were married. Nick and I were not. And, and he was just having so many serious problems with his drinking. And uh, Nora said to me one time on the way home, she said, mom, I, I don't have to talk about everything all the time. And you need to be okay with that, you know, but I, sometimes I need to keep things to myself and other times I need to share. And that was really eye-opening for me as well, because as a parent, you just want to be inside their mind and their head and make sure they're okay. And I, I was almost obsessive about it. And I was actually learning from my daughter that I needed to let her work through her grief and, and, and do that. So I... And, but then there were times too, we'd all get in the car and talk about it. And it, and rainbows not only helped my kids and me as individuals, it helped us communicate with each other. It gave us tools, again, tools and resources and an invitation really to talk to each other and to process with each other and to have different feelings and to know that that was okay. And honestly, we, we've carried those lessons throughout our whole lives to where we are today. Today, my daughter's 20, she's in college and she's doing really well. And my son is 18 and getting ready to graduate. And I can honestly say it's, difficult as loss is and as isolated and lonely, you know, you can feel. And I think by us reaching out to rainbows and our support network, I think it helped all of us become better people and more empathetic. My, I would say both of my kids, their level of emotional intelligence is really high. And, um, and I'm grateful for that gift. So even in you know, dark times and lonely times with the right resources, things can become experiences can become a blessing too. So I, I will always be grateful to rainbows for giving us lifelong tools and resources to help us. I know that a piece of your loss experience is around addiction. 
And that kind of grief tends to spread over months and years. But after your divorce was finalized, what did the holidays look like? How did you help your kids navigate those changes? Were there new traditions? Were there old traditions forgotten or were they maintained? That's a really great, great question. And I, like I was saying earlier too, I think everything is so fluid and things change, you know, um, and you're, you're kind of embrace, I think you need to embrace a new normal and, um, I think you need to find the positive in, in little things and some things you need to continue with, you know, like when the kids were little, we started a decoration drive where all three of us would be in the car and go look at Christmas decorations and give people certificates. And we actually still do that to this very day. Um, the kids don't even want to miss it. And that's like one tradition that we've continued. Now, sometimes um, my ex-husband was with us. Sometimes he wasn't sometimes, but that was as a tradition that we embraced regardless. Um, and then there are, I think you have to create those spaces and opportunities for you to connect in new and different ways in those how at those times a year. So, um, because you can always find joy in that and you can always do different things. Um, you know, even as we're, when we got divorced, I was very fortunate in some ways and, and still had relationship with his family and still have relationship with his family. And, uh, make an effort to keep the kids connected. I think that's important too. Um, and that worked out for us in our situation, but yes, I think trying to maintain, um, some, you know, treasured experiences or things that you do around the holidays is important. And then embracing new traditions as well is good because there are so many different ways to do things and, and life unfolds in so many different ways. And being able to share that and show that to your kids, I think is a really important, it's, it was helpful to me. You've given some great nuggets in there. Is there one thing, one wisdom that you would impart to a parent navigating grief during the holidays? To acknowledge that grief and loss is something that's really hard for people to articulate because of the emotion and everything that comes with it. So a one little tip that was really helpful to me, we kept a family journal, like a family book in a, in a central location in the house. And, and it was up by our bedrooms and the kids could write whatever they wanted in there. They could write, they were mad about something or happy about something or, and the idea was that they would get their feelings out on paper, but they didn't have to necessarily verbalize it or say it to somebody, but it made them feel better. And I remember one time Nora wrote in the book and she came into my room and she said, mom, did you read the book yet? Did you read the book yet? So it like by allowing her space and time to process and, and journal and, and, and put it in this safe space, you know, it actually ended up opening a door to communication and um, where Nora and I could talk to each other and, and Nick and I could talk to each other because they had a chance maybe to try and express what they were feeling. I think grief is very confusing. And I think, so my biggest advice is looking for ways to open those lines of communication, not by forcing it, but by allowing 
your loved ones and kids an opportunity to express themselves, like even in all of our rainbow meetings too, expressing themselves through arts or little activities that, that just opened that door for communication. So they weren't keeping everything inside. I think that's probably the most important thing, not forcing it, but creating moments and opportunities for them to express themselves in healthy ways. That's please. Thank you for, for sharing all of those ideas and just a little bit about your your journey and your story. Um, because, you know, as you sort of touched on, we do know that every you could have the exact same loss experience as someone else at the exact same time in your life. And your feelings are still going to be a little bit different and you're going to come to them at different times. And, you know, that's one thing that we know about humans is that we grieve developmentally as we're able to right? When you're very little, you don't necessarily have those feelings of frustration or confusion or anxiety uh, that you might have when you're six, seven, eight years old and, you know, one of your family members can't come to your school play or you know, whatever that, that thing is. And so, and I think I've certainly found that to be true in, in my various sensory grief journeys. It's just, you know, when I reach a different place in my life, I come to it with new and different emotions and perspectives. So it is definitely a journey for sure. That is so true, Stephanie. And even when I look at my daughter, where she was in middle school versus where she was in high school versus where she is now as an adult, and maybe things that she's mad about now that she wasn't mad about before, or where she's more at peace now about something where she wasn't before. You're absolutely right. It changes. And I think we have to all be comfortable with that and be okay with that. And this loss is always happening. But through that, you're gaining things too, and you're growing and expanding. And I think recognizing those that those growth moments along with you know, as you continue to move through your journey, I think is really important because it makes us stronger human beings and stronger people and more empathetic and, uh, and doing all of that without judgment. You know, I, I, I think people, we, we tend to think, oh, well, this happened to me. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to be fixed. And then I'm going to move on. It doesn't, doesn't really work that way. Um, and so I think I just always want to make sure that my kids, have a toolbox that's filled with what they need to help them navigate whatever comes their way. Is there anything else you'd like to share as we wrap up this conversation about grief during the holidays and grief awareness as a parent? I feel like today in today's world, our kids, our children need us more than ever. I think with social media and technology, you know, it makes it harder for them to connect in certain ways. And I think through programs like rainbows, <clears throat> we can help them continue to grow and develop in a way where they can process um, person to person and people to people. And I think it's really important. So I, we have to support all kids, you know, and I, I worry about kids that don't have that. And so, uh, again, just so thankful to Rainbows and to Stephanie and to everyone on your team and to all of the volunteer leaders and coordinators who understand the importance of this. So thank you very much. 
Thank you for sharing your story with the wider audience, Amy. I am sure your story resonates with so many of our listeners and that they take your advice in stride as they move forward into the holiday season and on through their grief journey. Thank you so much. To learn more about Rainbow's programs, resources, and how to get involved, visit rainbows.org and subscribe to our quarterly newsletter. Consider donating to our mission by clicking the link in the description of the episode or visiting rainbows.org donate. Finally, thank you. It's listeners like you that can make a difference to the youth in your community by advocating for their social-emotional education.